On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, couple of jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. One more, one more y'all want me to prove, man. Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com. Welcome back from the weekend, Matt. Um, got a little bit of a split, but you know, coming into Monday, we we didn't get some we didn't get some great news this morning, and we will talk about Lowry Markkinen. Also, want to talk about these splits between Orlando. But first and foremost, how are you, man? Are you uh, are you staying warm here for everybody that's listening here in Chicago? Ooh, what's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Happy Monday. Yeah, man. Uh, the the Chicago winter has arrived aggressively. It was so mild all through December and January. And then it, February hit and it was like, oh, yeah, okay. Here's a foot of snow and sub-zero temperatures. It's unbelievable. Um, mostly, though, my, my weekend was just ruined by none of my Super Bowl bets hitting because who the hell saw that coming? Seriously, man. I know. I know a lot of people were disappointed. I I hit on a couple of them, but yeah, any of my parlays did not hit because of, of course, Kansas City not even scoring a touchdown. So uh, outside of that being deflated, I was pretty deflated seeing Lowry Markman being shaken up in Friday night's battle against Orlando, man. And then seeing him come out of the game. And then, of course, this morning we get news that Lowry Markman has a sp- brained shoulder and he's going to be out two to four weeks my first reaction man is this team is trying to hobble itself to the first half stoppage where the all-star game is going to be and they're going to have 10 days off that's where this team needs to get to and please nobody nobody else get hurt just just please nobody else get hurt but what did you think about this and uh at the time that the play happened on friday what did you think about it it's just devastating man i mean as soon as you saw him kind of, you know, grimace and hold that shoulder. You were worrying and expecting the worst. Um, you know, Lowry has had shoulder issue before in his career. Um, so that certainly comes to mind. And I mean, it didn't look like that much of a, you know, aggressive, tough amount of contact on that play where, you know, he was driving from the left side and trying uh, uh, like a little spin move on Gary Clark and just got bodied. 
it didn't look like that much contact. You know, the collision didn't look that bad when he saw the replay. And so, you know, you're just wondering what the heck it was. And he tried to give it a go. You know, he, he was in for a while to start the third quarter and clearly was still, you know, in a lot of discomfort and pain. So he gets pulled and the Bulls training staff, you know, sends him to the locker room. You're done for the night. And here we are a few, you know, a few days later, we get the update. He's out two to four weeks with this shoulder strain. And it's unfortunate because in that game, at the start of that game, he was looking like his new aggressive self. Uh, you know, he was five of nine and was was knocking down a couple of threes, but also trying to get looks inside. He, he was the aggressive version of Lowry that we had started to see more of this season. And it's just another setback that it's just such a gut punch. And, you know, you mentioned it's just the latest on top of a pile of injuries again. Uh, you know, Otto Porter Jr., the, the back becoming a bigger issue than than maybe we had hoped it would be. And, and Wendell Carter Jr. being on the shelf for an extended period of time. So it's just, oh, it's it's devastating, man. I'm For those of us who were still hanging out on Lowry Island in this incredibly important contract year, it is it is awful news. It's only reassured one thought in my head, Matt, that you got to pay Zach. Like after yep. seeing this, you got to pay Zach, man. You, you have to because you can't rely on future talent. Even if you do, what's to say that the guy the guys don't end up injury riddled for the first three, four years of their career, right? Like when you bank on future assets as part of building your team up again, you're not guaranteed shit. And I think we got the worst of that when we traded away Butler the first time. It's like we weren't guaranteed anything. We got some nice pieces and a nice solid foundation to start with, but we weren't guaranteed anything after that. I'm starting to think more and more, man, as I see Carter get hurt multiple times, as I see Markinen get hurt multiple times. It, it got to pay Zach. Zach has been the most consistent guy since coming back from the ACL injury. He's been the most consistent guy to play, I think, the most games out of the four years he's been with the Bulls and any of his teammates. So that's the way I think of it. And I feel it's tough. It's tough for AK and Mark Eversley, but they're going to have to make a de- decision here, too, because when are you going to see both of those guys, Carter and Markin, and on the floor at the same time again to even evaluate if you can figure that out? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the question that's been lingering on, on the minds of Bulls fans for the last three years is Lowry and Wendell, the front court of the future. You know, you spent lottery picks on on these two guys for your front court in uh, consecutive years. And right now, that answer looks like a pretty firm no. You know, we haven't heard anything specifically uh, from the new front office as far as clues uh, you know, trying to read some subtext, read between the lines what they feel about Lowry and Wendell, but we're all pretty confident that that evaluation process would be this season and maybe even just the first half of this season before that March trade deadline if they decide to move one or both of these guys. And now the other element to this is that despite Wendell and Lowry both looking at times this season like they had started to climb out of the Jim Boylan gutter that they were living in last season, they are now both hurt again. And now they are both players that have the injury risk label because through their early parts of their NBA career, they have missed significant time due to injury in every single season. Both of them have. That makes it a lot harder to trade those guys. It sucks, man. I mean... I think looking at Lowry out of the top 14 guys that were taken in his draft class, he's played one of the lowest amounts of games. And it, 
it's terrible to think about that. And same thing with Wendell Carter Jr. We talked about this last year and even the year prior to that, Matt. It's like we can't it's hard to sit around and wait for these guys and wait and wait. And it's like once we get healthy, it's like how many times have we said that over the last three years? It's like wait until these guys get healthy. What if they never get healthy? What if they, and that's a decision that's going to be a very difficult decision that Mark Eversley and our tourists is gonna they're gonna have to decide on and i think getting a fresh eyes on these guys and what they're evaluating will help in a lot of those aspects and i think donovan will help with that those decisions too but yeah it's it, it sucks because this team has been battling and playing as much as they've been riddled by covid and other miscellaneous injuries to start the season it sucks to see this this is what's going to happen leading up to the first half so that being said I don't know what the rotation is going to look like I think it's Chandler Hutchison's opportunity to play a little bit more Denzel's going to play a little bit more but even Billy Donovan said he can't go out there and throw that out there for 30-35 minutes a night it's just not going to it's it's not going to work he said that's not going to give you the same pop that he usually does in the 20-25 minutes that you can play him so I don't know what their and, solution and the is. The heavy minutes that Thad has already seen recently led to him with a questionable tag last, you know, this past weekend in Orlando with with some back soreness of his own. So, you know, that's that's an aging vet that you can't expect to get 35 to 40 minutes a night out of. You just, you know, I think you're right. We'll probably see some more of Hutch uh, just out of necessity because it seemed like Hutch was a guy that was, even when coming back healthy and available, not in Donovan's rotation. So we'll see how that continues on. Uh, Jordan, we still have to talk about the, you know, the X's and O's of these two games, one win, one loss against Orlando over the weekend. Before that, though, wanted to tell our listeners that this episode is brought to you by 1010. You may have read about this in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, and now we're excited to tell you all about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate your Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. It's going to be a theme of this team, man. We talked about the runs that the Bulls are giving up every game, man. It's going to be the theme all year. I looked back at the first 22 games of this season, man. Every loss the Bulls have had... They have given up a margin of scoring in one point of the game of 10 or more to their opponents. So just the last three games, Matt, it's been 18 to 4 run in Orlando on Friday nights. The New York Knicks on the back to back, they gave up a a 16 to 4 run. This is consistently happening in losses. And we saw this early on on Friday night where uh, Vucevic, Vucimain, he just went absolutely off. He tied, I think, his career high in points at 41. He was absolutely insane. 43, so he has a new career high now. Yep. Absolutely insane, man. Yeah, I mean, just a monster performance from him. 43 and 19. <laughs> That's insane. Like, what, like, just outrageous. And it it was uh, just feasting uh, in the paint all night. And the dude knocked down, what, uh, four of his 10 three-point attempts. He's so hard to guard. 
And I think that when you have a big like Vooch, who is so dominant with his just like, you know, technician perfection level footwork when he's working in the post and nobody, especially without Wendell on the squad right now, could guard that. You saw Gafford struggling. Uh, you know, Gafford said in, in shoot around even just this morning that he said he'd been playing uh, like, you know, like shit recently. <laughs> um, but he he got worked. He's a young big who still does not have that many, you know, quality aspects to his game on the defensive end other than his his shot blocking. And when you have a big like Vooch who can also do the pick and pop thing, you know, you just saw Gafford getting stretched way too thin and Vooch was making him pay on all three levels. So I was not surprised to see Vooch have a big night, but I mean, damn, 43 and 19. Yeah, like, it was not good. Wow. <laughs> not good. And, and like the Bulls did a good job of limiting the three-pointer too, but you kind of knew that coming in. It's like the Bulls are depleted in their front court. They're going to probably get dominated by Vucevic. And again, like letting him shoot 10 threes, I'm okay with that, even though he's a decent three-point shooter. It's it's the early on, the energy that we saw in that first half, Matt. It was terrible. Again, it's like the Bulls came out so slow, and then all of a sudden, second half, we flipped a switch on, and everybody wanted to play hard again. And I give credit to the vets again. Thaddeus Young and Garrett Temple, and hell, man, even Denzel Valentine's been out there busting ass for the last two games, and he's been a big part of why the, they ended up winning on Saturday night outside of Zach, but again, Zach wasn't involved for the first quarter and a half of this game on Friday, and you can tell he can get buckets in a hurry, but he even said it after the game. He's like, I got to get myself more involved early on in these games. I think he's quickly realizing that, but yeah, the energy again, a lot like these losses, man, no energy or very, very little energy, and they dig themselves huge holes. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Tom uh, Basine. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. On Twitter, uh, who posted numbers, oh, I saw this. Uh, oh, Sunday man. morning about the Eastern Conference team's starter net ratings versus bench net ratings. I'm not sure if you saw that, Jordan. I retweeted it this morning. But, I mean, you mentioned these runs and, and the holes that the Bulls are digging themselves and these slow starts. And, like, we've seen it. The same script has been played out, like, almost every single game this season where the Bulls starters get worked and then the bench, you know, the, the vet mob have to come in and rescue them. The Bulls' starting unit right now has a net rating of negative 8.8. Not ideal. Their bench net rating, plus 13.7. I mean, if that doesn't tell you that there is a huge difference between the usefulness of the bench pieces on, on this team and how badly the starters are struggling, I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. Okay, I needed a trigger warning because... Rick Camp sent me this early this morning and he knew this was going to piss me off and he knew he was like is that good Jordan for the bench differentials I'm like you fucker I'm like there's context context matters and I told him that I'm like you're just sending this to me to trigger me and I said context matters and I said it's the second reply from that guy who posted that he's like yeah context is very important when we're talking about a lot of these teams again take that out of there and take Garrett Temple out of that bench quote unquote bench unit and see how much closer the Bulls are in their net rating. Like, a little things like that. And same thing with Denzel's limited minutes, man. Denzel's gone off in the last couple of games. So I'm sure that has increased and skewed the net rating a little bit. But again, on surface level, you're right. Like, the starters haven't consistently shown up night after night. 
again, though, who are really your starters? Carter's been out for the majority of the season. Lowry's going to be out for a big chunk of the season. Thomas Adoransky hasn't been part of your rotation for a good chunk. There's been missing pieces all over the place. That's why I'm not really too concerned about those numbers in terms of net rating. It's just a, again, it's a case of this, this is who we are. This is the team that we've been for the last three years. It's injury riddled and our bench has had to dig us out of holes or Zach has had to dig us out of holes, which he tried to on Friday night. And, you know, it'd be nice to get a jump ball call like they did, like the Magic got oh or gosh. the non-jump ball call, I should say. And even Donovan referenced it after the game. How about that, man? Yeah, I mean, you clearly saw two players with both hands each on the ball tied up. And it wasn't long, but it was about the same amount of time as that ridiculously quick whistle uh, that hosed us a few games prior Unreal. in which, you know, neither of those Portland Blazers wh- who, you know, double teamed Zach and both fouled him. Actually, neither of them had their hands on the ball. So, yes, I was glad to see Donovan call out the ridiculousness uh, of that inconsistency. You know, the NBA officials in these last few minute reports are starting to not they're starting to feel more like the, you know, let's go to our official analysts in the NFL games where basically they just pay a retired referee, Gene Steratore, who the hell ever, to agree with the call on the field, regardless <laughs> of what's happening. And it's like the last two minute reports used to actually point out bad calls and incorrect calls. And the ones that we've seen recently are just like, yeah, no, that was the right call when it clearly wasn't. So I don't know what's going on there. But you're right, man. I mean, Zach tried to rescue them after a slow start. Um, and like, I think he got one shot up at the tail end of the first quarter. Um, he did finish nine of 21. So not a super efficient night for him. Just one of five from downtown, but like it was a bad slash quiet night for Zach and he still finished with 26, eight and four. And by the way, you know, one of the silver linings from that Friday loss, uh, eight assists and only one turnover for Zach. We've talked ad nauseum about Zach's turnover issues, you love to see that kind of ratio and, and you know, knowing that he's trying his best to, to take those turnovers, uh, you know, down a couple of notches. It was beautiful, man. He had 24 of his 26 points in the fourth quarter. I think he went on a run like 13 points straight without anybody else scoring. And he scored like nine or 11 of those like in, in 90 seconds. And I, I was working the Bulls game and Bill Wennington mentioned it, too. And he was like. I think Zach just scored like 11 or 13 in like the last 90 seconds here. It's ridiculous, man. But the dude can fill up the bucket so quickly. We need Zach to do that consistently, though. And again, he's even mentioned he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm thinking to myself, I've got to get myself more involved. I can't only can't take one shot in the first quarter and it be at the tail end of the quarter. Things like that to not dig themselves in huge holes. And he's done a really good job of that. Again, mentioned the turnovers too, man. No turnovers in the fourth quarter too while he... The majority of the time he had the ball in his hand, beautiful. So yeah. again, they and dig think, themselves you know, out. He's he's working on finding that balance of getting his teammates involved first and taking that respect responsibility on, while also looking to get himself going offensively and and in you know finding the right balance between those two things because, you know, I, I don't know this for certain, but my you know educated guess would be looking at some of these games recently where Zach starts slow as far as his shot attempts, but is looking to get people involved. And he's got these first quarters with four or five, even six assists and and way fewer shots. I think he's maybe seeing that Kobe, his backcourt starting mate, is struggling 
in this role, uh, the, the the Kobe starting point guard experiment. And he's trying to help his younger teammate and, and take some of that pressure off of Kobe by by dishing out, you know, some some good looks for his teammates in the first quarter of all these games. Man, that's a good point. And it's tough to see Kobe struggling as much as he is because you can tell it pisses him off too. Like even the simple layup that he had missed early in the second half where it was just like wide open, easy right-handed layup and it just rolls off the front of the rim. That's just kind of a couple of weeks that Kobe's been having, having, man. But you can tell it's frustrating as a fan, not frustrated at Kobe, but frustrated with him because you can see the struggles he's going through. But you're, I think you're spot on. But even after all this being said, Matt, we were within one possession at late in this game and the Bulls shot like absolute shit in the second half from three and they were still in it. They were still in the game. So I applaud them again for, for climbing back out of a hole and getting back into this game, especially losing Markinen towards the end of the stretch. But uh, P. Will, man, had 20 points in this game too, and he he showed up big for the Bulls when they needed him. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You deposit $250, you're going to get $125 for free. That's going to their website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up for an account today. They'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode is also brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar. Try one of their six new delicious flavors like Lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Jordan, I had one of those lemon almond cheesecakes the other day. Holy crap, those are delicious. Plus, you got 12 of those OG flavors like peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, another one of my favorites, and toffee almond. Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. Built Bars great for the health-conscious sports fans out there. Lose or maintain your weight while indulging in these delicious treats. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. All the stuff that you want and not too much of that stuff that you don't want. Take, for example, the Peanut Butter Built Bar, which which comes jam-packed with 19 grams of protein but is only 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar and just 5 grams of net carbs. Right now, our Locked On Bulls listeners, if they go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, We'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Jordan, Patrick freaking Williams, as Wendell Carter Jr. goes down and Lowry Markinen goes down, and you and I are talking about the Bulls' new front office having to face some, some harsh realities and some tough decisions about those guys uh, and, and admitting that they are not the front court of the future for this Bulls team. You know who absolutely is a part of the Bulls' front court of the future? This 19-year-old kid who looks like, on some moments over the last couple of games, one of the best players on the court. You know, he had a career-high 20 in the loss on Friday, uh, and he followed that up with a uh, with a double-double. What I think he hit, what, like 16 and 10 or something like that on, on Saturday? Correct. Like, just you're seeing his aggressiveness 
um, and looking to attack and get to the spots on the floor where he knows he can score, whether it's the the deep, the deep mid-range pull-up, the, the, the closer, uh, you know, semi-mid-range stuff that's not quite in the paint, but he's got the little floaters uh, and, and a lot of other things in his arsenal, attacking the basket, getting to the free-throw line. He was perfect 6-6 six of six at the free-throw line in the Friday game against Orlando going glass, doing all these different things. Yes, the three-point shooting has fallen off recently, but I am not worried about that because what we're seeing in the meantime is a rookie, a 19-year-old rookie, youngest player in the NBA right now, just being aggressive and attacking and knowing when he has a defender who he can take off the dribble, and it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, and he's playing great basketball on the other side, too. He's playing great defense, and it's been pretty much a staple outside of Zach's scoring. It's been a staple of this Bulls team is having good, reliable defense at the wing position that P. Will's been doing an amazing job at. I think, like you had touched on, I think the biggest weakness right now is just no hesitation from three and just keep shooting those shots. I'm okay with him shooting out of this slump that he's in because he's... Man, every look that he's gotten from three over the last week, week and a half have been good shots. They're just not falling down. So he takes that rainbow three, and I love it, man. But no hesitation anymore. Continue to take those shots. But every other aspect of his game is working right now. Driving to the basket, finding those mid-range pull-up jumpers like you're talking about, getting his hands in passing lanes, causing a bunch of disruption on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, He's... He's had a couple of blocks, too. I think he had one on Saturday and maybe two on Friday. Uh, he's just been another presence underneath that the Bulls desperately need. I mean, without, like you said, Markinen, without Carter, even without Otto Porter Jr., too, man. He's another lengthy wing that the Bulls haven't been able to pair Williams next to either. So it's him and Thad and basically everybody else. So he's done a really great job. And uh, Zach has helped him out, too, man, on the boards. I'm thinking of guys that are just board eaters now that those two big men are out. And it's been it's been P will it's actually been Denzel to some extent and it's been Zach so they need to continue to do that and they're gonna have to do that all the way up until this first break in the first week of March man yeah and I you know I think what we're seeing from P-Dub is not only just very encouraging about his future but also encouraging when you think about the the new people in positions of power who picked him that there was a a lukewarm at best response from this fan base when they drafted him fourth overall uh, you know, some people wanted to go with the Euro kid, Denny Avdia. Uh, some people wanted them to take one of the guards like Hayes or Halliburton. Um, and a lot, and some people were like, oh, tr- try and trade up so you can maybe get, like, you know, get yeah, LaMelo. Forget LaMelo in maybe, there who dropped 34 this or, weekend. Or, or trade up to get Wiseman or whatever. And like everybody's like, oh, Patrick Williams, huh? And what we had heard from the Bulls new front office was so much about finding versatile two-way players and looking at the flaws of this Bulls roster over the, the first three years of the initial post Jimmy rebuild saying all we have this entire roster is just a bunch of one-way players you know Lowry Markkinen has some some offensive talents but he's just you know he can't give you anything on defense Zach Levine same thing although he's starting to at least show that he is trying a little harder with some mixed and better results on the defensive end but that was always the label with Zach you know, former bull Chris Dunn, defensive specialist, gave you nothing on offense. Same with Shaq Harrison. Wendell Carter Jr., a ghost offensively last season uh, and a guy who can certainly do a lot of things for you defensively. All one-way players. And Pat Williams is the first sign of this new front office saying, no, for real, this isn't just talk. 
like the old regime, we are going to find young, versatile two-way players. Because, you know, you mentioned not only what he was doing with with uh, his scoring on, on the, you know, interior levels in these games against Orlando, but you mentioned his defense. We're, we're seeing P-Dub play the four in some of Donovan's small ball lineups. We will probably continue to see even more of that in the coming weeks without Lowry Markkinen. And he's guarding ones and twos on the defensive end. This dude is legit a two-way, just Swiss Army knife player. And he's going to be a big piece of this team. Again, youngest player in the NBA, man. It's exciting. It's exciting to see that just just after one draft pick, man. And honestly, it's not one draft pick. I did see an update from the... uh, the second round pick that AK and Mark Eversley took to I'm his name is disappearing from me for, uh, at the moment, but he dropped like 20 points and he was one of the youngest players in the Euro League too. I think he's only 18 still. Is it? Um, I can't remember his name. Starts with an M. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, these guys are taking versatile guys that can do a little bit of everything. And I'm still convinced that Patrick Williams, had we seen him play out the NCAA tournament, we would have been a lot more prepared for this being an outcome than uh, not seeing those games. We had talked about it all the time, guys ending up increasing their value throughout the tournament. I think Patrick Williams would have been one of those guys had we seen them play. But I, I think this played in the Bulls' benefit. Nobody saw him, kind of flew under the radar. And I'm glad he's here in Chicago, man. He's going to help this team so much in the future, whether it be Zach being here or not. Um, but he's yeah. another dude. Oh, and, and by the way, the uh, the second round draft and stash you were talking about is Marco Simonovich. Simonovich. That's who I'm thinking of. However you say his last name. Yeah, he put up like 28 and 5 in the league that he's playing currently. And like people are already talking about maybe the Bulls bringing him over as early as next season. That could be exciting if he continues to play well overseas. So just keeping that on the back burner. But another player that's performing well and another young, young player uh, that the Bulls have full control of for quite a few years. Um, Anything else from this game, though, like Zach dropping 39 was amazing just to see him fill up the stat sheet and do what Zach does early and dominate was awesome. And watching him and Thaddeus Young play in the two man game man, the pick and roll is so beautiful. If we could just mm-hmm. get a consistent big to come in here and do that with Zach for 30 minutes a night. You know what other duo I really liked seeing play together for extended stretches on Saturday? Thad Young and Sato, man. I mean, yes. what, you know, before we get out of here. Just let's talk a little bit about this. I, I don't know if you've seen uh, that I have officially jumped off of the Kobe White as our starting point guard of the future experiment. After these weekend games, I'm done. Uh, that is not to say I don't like Kobe. I think he can have a very bright future in the NBA as a six-man scorer. I think that I would be open to the idea of the Bulls keeping him around to play that role. But we were just talking about Zach you know, taking a backseat with his shooting to try and get teammates involved because he's noticing that Kobe is struggling in that role. I don't know if you are as ready to give up as I am, but we saw the Bulls once again, as we were saying earlier, get down big right right off the bat in the first quarter. Kobe got a quick hook from Billy Donovan, like with not even five minutes into the first quarter. He subs Kobe out. He puts Sato in and immediately the ball started to move better. Guys were moving off the ball better. Uh, you know, there was the first one of many stretches of seeing Thad and Sato work together. Just smart veteran basketball. And, I mean, Sato had six assists and zero turnovers off the bench. I know that some people might be sick of 
those you know Sato stands like me who were saying last year he should be the starter um, while, while Kobe was doing fun things off the bench. But I, I've come full circle, man. I honestly, in a season where Donovan's just saying, why not try everything anyway? Because this is mostly a season about evaluation. After 22 games, I'm ready to get, put Kobe back in his comfort zone of being just a guy who could do what he did in like his third quarter uh, on Saturday night where he was just like, all right, I'm going to just go, go be Kobe. And he had 13 points on like five of five in the third quarter. That can be the bench, Kobe. Take the pressure off and see how well this Billy Donovan offense operates with Sato running in that starting lineup. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I think I think he is severely hurt by the fact that he doesn't have guys like Shaq Harrison, and you might laugh at this, Shaq Harrison or Chris Dunn next to him, right? Playing scrappy, hard-nosed defense, guys that are getting hands in passing lanes and kind of helping out and masking Kobe's defensive weaknesses. I'm looking at just some of his defensive advanced numbers from this year compared to last, Matt, and they're bad. They're really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And thinking about him playing alongside Zach, that makes a lot of sense. Like Even Zach's improvements individually on defense don't mask Kobe's individual defensive mistakes and that's what I'm seeing a lot is teams are finding out hey you know what the Bulls are actually not bad on defense in spots let's pick apart Kobe and let's go after him early and they're doing that and they're having success and it's frustrating Kobe I can tell it and it's affecting his all and on top of that you add in having a huge shooting slump too I don't know if I'm I don't know if I ever was on the bandwagon of him being a point guard of the future. I I was saying, get him in the best role, and that's just to shoot, like you're talking about. Shoot and shoot and shoot and catch and shoot situations. Not off the dribble, because I know you can do that, but do what you're also really good at. Just catch the ball and shoot threes. He's very good at that, too. So I I think they just need to build his confidence up again, man. And I don't think that the role that he's playing right now is going to be the role defined for his future. I think this is just a bridge year, so the Bulls can finally figure out what the hell they're doing at point guard and maybe they'll address that in the offseason or through a trade but I don't think you're I think you're right Kobe's not going to be the point guard of the future but I don't even ever, ever ever really expected that of him right which and of course the other part of that conversation which we can have on tomorrow's show is the latest rumors about Lonzo Ball and maybe him wanting to come to Chicago as a preferred destination if the Pelicans do move forward uh with their rumored plans to move on from him. Um, but now you put Lonzo you know. on there with all them athletes and running and gunning. Hold guess up. what? Oh God. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be handle. I'm not going to be able to handle all of the LeVar ball sound drops in this podcast. If we trade for Lonzo. And, and you know, not. you know, you're going to get brand new ones too. Cause LeVar is going to speak out if, uh, if he does get traded again to Chicago. So we'll get a brand new round of LeVar ball drops as well. But yeah, well, let's save that for tomorrow's episode because I think it's a good conversation to be had as uh, people continue to pick up steam. And I also too mentioned to you that, uh, there's been more than one connection between the Bulls and Lonzo Ball, even coming from his camp that hasn't happened over the last couple of months, but maybe even a year or so back. We can discuss that and all, but uh, that's going to about do it. You got anything else? Uh, re- real quick, Jordan, just while we're on the topic of point guards switching teams, how about D-Rose and Tibbs, man? Of back course, man. Again. Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven. Uh, hey, Tibbs is going out there getting his closer, right? He doesn't and need to rely on Emmanuel quickly. Coming off the bench for the Knicks on some nights, you, you got to assume Tibbs is telling, you know, his bosses in New York, get on the horn, see if you can convince Joakim to leave his paradise of, you know, I think he's living in Hawaii uh, with his supermodel fiance. So 
not a bad life for Joakim right now. Get him out of retirement. Get him back to New York. I know the Joakim Knicks experiment didn't go super well for the first time around. And he, you know, probably angered that fan base with that ridiculous contract and not a whole lot of performance to back it up. But come on. You got you got to get Luol out of retirement. You got to convince Joakim to sign up and lace him up one more time. And we can have T- Tibbs and the old crew back together again. Hell, what's C.J. Watson up to these days? Seriously, I just actually saw C.J. Watson not too uh, a few weeks ago doing a podcast about I think Derek and guys like being scared of, of maybe taking nights off because they didn't want to get embarrassed by guys like Derek. I'll have to pull that. Maybe we could play that later this week. Uh, but it was pretty funny that C.J. Watson had men- mentioned that. But man, they're gonna bring try to bring Luol Deng out of retirement. There's if the, there's one thing I'm confident of is Joe keeps not going back to the Knicks. No freaking way. Yeah. No way. I think that part is like not even a 0% chance of likelihood to happen. I think that's in the negatives. <laughs> I'm hoping for all good things for D Rose and to and Tibbs. And hey, maybe the Knicks make even make the playoffs and it's Rose's opportunity to push and be that guy. And uh hey, second chance in New York too to see what happens. But we all oh, real quick. Uh, there was also one former Bull who signed, and he signed with the Nets. Yeah, you see. Ooh, oh, 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 no. Oh, wow. Oh, open your mouth wide and take it. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get a chance to use that again, but uh, oh, here we are. Man. I was like, wait, are you really playing a Noah Vonley audio clip right now? And then I forgot about that Stacy. Here we are. I didn't think I was ever going to get to use it again because of his short stint with the Bulls this preseason. But uh, here we are again. Yes, Noah Vonley going to the Nets, so cheering up their their front court situation. Glad to see him surface uh, and and make himself uh, onto a roster after the Bulls had to uh, cut him from their training camp roster um, after he had tested positive from COVID. So glad glad that he's, uh, you know, gotten over the COVID and, and found his way back onto another team. It's going to help them, man. He's a board dude, and he long, lengthy, can shoot threes, too. Fits perfect with that team. So uh, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls, though. Thanks for listening today. Enjoy the game tonight against Washington. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Pack and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. Get those in. If you want us to answer a question, hear your voicemail played by Wednesday. Again, 331-979-1369. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Nally. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful night. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 